right. Hey, guys. I'm back for my second episode of The Sports Lifestyle. I'm your host, Charlie Levy. And today I have as a guest um, my uncle, Howard Levy, who has been a coach and a player around basketball for years. So I'm very honored to have him on the podcast today. Um, He played at Princeton in college. He's played for the New Jersey Nets in a preseason. He's played overseas. He's played in many different places. He played in Australia. He's coached uh, across many different basketball levels. So I'm just honored to have him on to talk about kind of his experience and different elements of the game of basketball today. So how you doing, Ankh? <laughs> all right. Happy to be here, Charlie. Yeah. So first of all, you've, you played basketball at Center Princeton University, um, which is like, I guess I would say the most important or biggest part of your basketball career, one of them at least. Um, so what was just your experience like at Princeton? Because I know you played, you played under Pete Carrill, who's a Hall of Fame basketball coach. Um, you got to experience many different big types of games um, and playing in the Ivies. Just, I guess, what was your experience like with that? Well, it was, um, I mean, overall great experience and, you know, changed my life in so many ways. I think the, the first part of it was that Coach Carrill sort of believed in me. Like, um, you know, I was uh, foot 10, 180 pounds coming out of high school. And, uh, you know, a lot of coaches uh, – didn't think I could do it. And, and coach Carrill, uh, believed in me. He actually, uh, called me the impossible dream, um, because more because of what so many other coaches thought than what I thought, what, what he thought. Um, but he sort of saw something in me and that felt that if I worked really hard, I could become a, a good player. So that was the first part. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't easy. I mean, he was a very, very, very demanding coach. Yeah. Um, but, the way that he coached um, probably fit the things that I could do very well. And, um, you know, after, uh, you know, first year didn't play much, second year played a little, then junior, senior year played, you know, pretty much every minute of every game, unless Mm -hmm. I fouled out. Um, Yeah. And we had, our our teams were, were generally good. We went to the NCAA tournament twice, um, won a couple games in the NCAA tournament each year and, um, you know, made, made friends who were, you know, to this day, my best friends. Yeah. Um, awesome. And I know my dad has told me about obviously some stories with like recruiting and stuff, because I know the recruiting process is like, it's just a crazy time, uh, especially D1 being recruited by Princeton. And then I know you had some other coaches come to your house. What are some like recruiting stories that like, I guess, stood out at least bad ones, good ones, funny, like, well, um, it's interesting because I just um, had a chance to look at all the letters that I got that Grandpa saved yeah. in a very organized fashion because I was um, – I had to write – I was asked to write a chapter about a book about Coach Carrill that a bunch of former Princeton guys were putting together. And, um, you know, one, the letters that he wrote me um, were amazing and just like how he said sort of things like, you know, your impossible dream. You can't run, you can't jump, you can't do this, you can't do that, but there's something about you that I like. <laughs> um, and there were other, you know, the, um, I think the process has changed a lot from those days. Like I, looking at those letters, it was cool because we saw people like I got a letter from 
Greg Popovich, who was the coach of a Division three school in right. California, and that's where he started his career. You know, and different people who sort of, you know, some coaches who, um, you know, were already prominent and remained prominent, but some who who sort of, you see, they were an assistant coach and they became... Uh, like a legend, know, became, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. famous head coaches or, or whatever it might be. Well, the other, um, you know... I was recruited. Well, no, I wouldn't say really recruited, but um, so Coach K was the coach at Army when I was growing up, which is near Suffern, New York, where where mm-hmm. where you know your dad and I grew up. And um, I went for a couple of years to the Army a basketball camp and used to go to the Army games a bunch. And uh, when when Coach K was there, and um, at the camp, he sort of took a liking to me. And then going into my senior year, he moved to Duke, and Duke. I had gone to a, another camp uh, by that was run by this guy, Bill Foster, who was the previous Duke coach. Mm-hmm. And Duke was like my dream school. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so they, they came up to see me actually in the summer, Co- Coach K's assistant. And, um, you know, I was looking through the letters and I saw a letter from from one of the assistant coaches. I, I know, I, you know, a personal letter, not a form letter. But, right, uh, yeah. you know, dear Howard, um, you've improved a lot, but... Uh, why don't you think about going to a place like Cornell? Uh, it's not, <laughs> we're not going to recruit you here at Duke. Uh, <laughs> but my friend, the first the first game I got into my freshman year, we played Duke, and it was Coach K's first year, um, and we beat him bad. We beat him by about uh, twenty points. Um, I got my first action and scored, a, you know, scored a basket. And a I think that was the turning level. point in Dukes. <laughs> well, I, I do know that that it was a, an important moment for Coach K that he's like, that's never happening again. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when, uh, you know, he made he made sure that uh, he turned on the Jets whenever he played against an Ivy League school, though we um, we played him tough one of the years when I was coaching when they won the um one of the, I think they won the NCAA tournament, um, but we have we played them in a game and you know hung in there, played a pretty tough, played them pretty tough. Yeah, that's just <laughs> the fact that like, and you still talk to Coach K, right? Did you did you like? I mean, we're not like pounding well, around. Well, yeah, but <laughs> no, we uh, we were at a couple over over the years. I've been at a couple of events where he was at, and we've had nice conversations. Right, yeah, he yeah, knows, yeah. you know, he knows who I am, and right, yeah. He's not calling me up and saying, "Hey, come <laughs> down for some beers." Um, but we are, you know, if I if I bumped into him or you know if we were passing each other on the street, we would you know know each yeah, other. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, you've coached or played actually. You went on after Princeton. You played for the New Jersey Nets. I know it wasn't a long time, but. Um, what was like the main differences I feel like that you noticed between playing at the collegiate level and then going on to play for the pros? Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I mean, it was, um, you know, I was probably with the Nets for about, I don't know, at least a month, five weeks, maybe. Um, right. and enough for me to sort of answer your question. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what I thought both, you know, the, the talent was way better. Of mm-hmm. course. I mean, every, right. you know, just like every level you go up, um, you know, so every, every player you play against is really, really good. And, right, for, yeah. you know, I would say for me, physically, uh, the physical part was the, you know, really the distinguishing factor that guys that were my size were a lot stronger, a lot faster, um, right, a lot yeah. more athletic. Um, what I found, though, was in terms of work ethic, 
and basketball skill, I felt I was right in there and maybe better than better than some guys. And I felt that, you know, playing for Coach Carrill um, was was really helpful because he was so, so hard at every, you know, screamed at every little detail and was a mm-hmm. total perfectionist. And then, you know, you get to the NBA and, you know, I was in good shape, but they're not um, yelling at you. You know, they're <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, complimenting you for things that are not really that great. Yeah. You know, I remember a, a player named Daryl Dawkins, who was probably yeah. one of the first NBA players to come out of high school and was a, he died young a few, uh, probably about 10 years ago, died, died young, but was a, was a sweetheart of a guy. He, we, I, we liked each other, um, but was never really pushed by a coach. And he, he was a freak, you know, physically and, and was a, was a, had a good career, but I think could have been an all time great. Um, but it was sort of like, Hey, you know, he'd run down the court and they'd be like, way to run big fella. And he wasn't yeah. even running uh, full speed. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I think that was the, that was the difference that made it sort of easy and less stressful. I think um, our, you know, our, um, you know, our Princeton practices were, you know, tense. <laughs> every yeah. Day. yeah. yeah. Um, so this was a different, different world. And, you know, what I didn't realize at the time that I wish I'd gone in, like I went in with the mindset of, all right, let's see, let's see how I stack up. Right. But there were guys that have been that were trying out for the team that year that had, you know, played in Europe for a couple of years, knew that like this was their meal ticket. Like they're like they saw me as like, that's the guy I got to beat out for a job. You know, I, didn't, I don't yeah, think yeah. I ever looked at it as, hey, this is a job. Right. Uh, yeah. This could be my my, you know, what I do for work. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, looking back, I kind of wish I had that little bit of maturity or that kind of mindset to say, mm-hmm. yeah, this is how I got to eat now. Going to a school like Princeton, um, it wasn't like I didn't have to get this job. You know what I mean? It right, wasn't yeah. like I was going to do all right. Um, you know, whatever I did, I had options. Um, mm-hmm. Almost like yeah. looking back, it's like if you have that's your main option, you might treat it a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then you played for the Albany Patroons. Is that is that like a what? What would you describe that team as? Like what level was that kind of? So, um, well, it was, it's called Albany, Charlie, uh, first Albany, of all. Albany, Albany, capital of New York State. <laughs> um, so that was basically at that time would be like the G League. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. you know, uh, it was very – so the competition was also really good. And it was sort of like after <clears throat> getting cut by the Nets, sort of the Nets, Nets and Knicks players would go to this were, – were referred to um, Albany – in the CBA Continental Basketball Association. And, you know, the coach was Phil Jackson at the time. So um, um, it was obviously a uh, stepping stone for him to bigger and better things. Um, But it was, um, you know, it was a, it was an experience. I'll tell you that it was, I mean, getting to know him and playing for him was, was really cool. I think, um, you know, he didn't, this was before um, like the triangle offense or anything like that, which, Unfortunately, another moment. If he had run the triangle offense for our team, I would have been. I think I would have had a better career there as well. Um, but it was, um, you know, you go, you drive the van from city to city, and you play yeah. these games. And um, you know, this was even more so than than the NBA. These were guys trying to get to the NBA, so right. and they didn't. Um, so you know, the whole, you know, I was sort of 
trained to try to win and try to be a team player. And that was what Princeton was all about. Mm -hmm. um, you got here, it was like guys were trying to um, get theirs and get to the NBA. It was a hard, a hard coaching job and hard. You know, the players were, were thought that the way to the NBA was probably to score or to show what they could do. Now, on the team that I was on, there was one guy who actually got called up to the Knicks and he was a terrific player. His name was Chris McNeely. But he was also a good team player, like he passed right. the ball, and so which I thought was kind of instructive. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you played, you played overseas. You played in Australia, um, a couple teams in Israel, which I knew about, and obviously in the Maccabee games. So, just what is the difference between, I guess, playing overseas and like playing in different countries with some people that speak different languages versus playing at a professional level or collegiate level in America? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think the big, I think the big thing that I saw, the big difference that I, and I was sort of spoiled by playing at Princeton right. where the way we played was the open guy, get the ball. We didn't care who scored. We didn't care about anything other than winning. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really the ultimate team that I've been on. Yeah. And I think my, my, my Maccabee games experiences were, were, like that as well. But, you know, different places, it's just different. And I, I think partly because I had such a great experience that I was almost like had this ideal version of how basketball should be played. And when it was not played that way, it was frustrating. Um, yeah. every, you know, Australia, wherever it might be. I mean, Israel was a little different because I was, um, I was sort of done playing for 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 real and i was yeah. going over there to help my brother-in-law edmond was a coach mm -hmm. and i'd go over and help his team i'd play for like a month and try to help his team stay in the league right yeah, yeah. Down. You know, like leor's doing now kind of yeah done like uh, well his team went up but it well but yeah, yeah. Played, but it, it, it's yeah, it's it's structured like european soccer where you go up or you go down so um we just i'd come over play about five games and help them hopefully stay in the league, which most of the time we were successful in that. Um, but so what I tell kids that I coach that have a chance to play overseas, particularly at Princeton is like, you know, it might not be like Princeton. It might not be your teammates might not be, have the same goals. It might not be all about winning. The coach might not be as intense or whatever it might be, but mm -hmm. it beats working. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, looking back and again, I'm, 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 I can't say that I'm unhappy about how my life worked out. Um, you know, but I think if I had a different mindset, I probably could have stuck with playing for, for a longer time. Okay. Um, and then I know you not only played at Princeton, you were a coach at Princeton. And I feel like, what did you like notice or realize about like the Princeton system and just being a coach for a collegiate basketball team rather than when you were a player? Yeah. Well, I think just the whole, the whole thought process is different. And I think, you know, right. those years, particularly the first couple of years at Princeton, you learned to, and I had done some coaching, you know, at, I was a grad assistant at George Washington and I coached at a, a Trenton State College, which is a college in New Jersey. I think Princeton is really where I learned how to coach and learned how to see the game and learned how to think about things. And even as a player, like you sort of, you know, I think I was known as a guy who knew what he was doing. Um, but just to sort of be able to, you know, see how, how everybody interacts and how this person's role affects this person's role and just 
you know, part of it too is you're watching film. Mm-hmm. So you get to reinforce, I think, your your instincts might be good as a player. And then you watch it on film and you see the results of what, what you're doing and what the other players are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, really is helpful. And, um, you know, and some of it is then you're watching the film and you're like, OK, well, why don't we try this instead of that? And right. um, but I think it was really just a, just another another level of understanding. And I was with great, great coaches. Yeah. Um, and then you coached, did you coach a G, you coach a GW after Princeton, right? Before, Before? no, I was in grad school. So okay. I, I went to law school and that was my, that's how I paid for the law school by coaching. Oh, okay. Uh, how was that? Were those teams like competitive teams or how was the GW teams when you were there? Um, two of the three years were moderately competitive. One year we were horrible. Okay. That's fair. Um, that's fair. And, um, yeah, it was in a competitive league, the Atlantic 10 at the time. Right, um, yeah. It was sort of the power, the powerhouse team was Temple. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they were great. I mean, they were like, yeah, great they team. Like- they went to the final eight. I mean, they were the ones perennial in the NCAAs. One year they went to the final eight and I think lost to Duke in a regional final, probably mm-hmm. 1990. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, coach Calipari was at UMass at the time. Mm-hmm. And just starting to build a program, he just start just the very beginnings that you could see that he was going places. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's just it's just cool how like all these like now legendary coaches like started at those like other schools and like you've been able to coach against them at like when they were just starting out, which I feel like is just very interesting to see, kind of. Um, so now you are head coach at Mercer Community College, Mercer County Community College. Um, and basically you've coached at many different levels and played at many different levels. So you've been all over, overseas, collegiate, professional. You coached at D1 schools like GW and Princeton. Now you're coaching at Mercer County Community College. How's like, what's the difference between coaching at some place like Princeton or GW Versus a place where like you're playing at tournaments every weekend or however, however often you are. And like, just what's the difference there? I feel like. Yeah. Well, on, on one hand, um, coaching is coaching. Right. And yeah. Like I watch, listen, I watch, uh, I watch the NBA and I, I don't see anything uh, that interesting from a coaching mm-hmm. standpoint, a little bit of what the Warriors do. Once in a while, you'll see like an interesting out of bounds play, but yeah, the way the NBA game is played, it's I don't even think it's you know, it's more management than coaching, right? Right. Yeah. Um. So, like coaching basketball is coaching basketball. You know, I I, I think the stuff that we do at Mercer would actually work very well in the NBA, mm-hmm. and it's you know, can you get the players to do it? Right. Yeah. Um. You know, the difference, the biggest difference, I think, is that the kids that I'm coaching at Mercer compared to probably the D one kids and compared particularly the kids that, that I coached at Princeton, um, you know, a lot of them, you know, they're one, they're, they're sort of backgrounds. They're mo- often from, you know, very low income backgrounds right. They're often from single parent homes. Mm-hmm. They haven't received probably the coaching um, or education that maybe, um, you know, like what you're getting. Um, so, so there's a lot more of the um, just teaching and how to, you know, I, I think that a lot of the kids I get are very, very talented because they haven't gone through this, um, 
youth basketball system that requires money and someone to drive yeah. around all over the place. They, they, uh, you know, they might not know how to be coached as much. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. unfortunately um, schools are looking for, um, I think they, they want kids that have already been quote unquote socialized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's my job to teach them how to, how to teach them how to be coached first. Of yeah. All. Um, and I do know, that I, I'm, you know, I can do that. And once they're, you know, after they leave me, they're ready for almost any coach on earth. Yeah. Um, so, um, cause it's not, um, I would say I'm not, uh, the easiest guy to play for, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a lot more of, of sort of, a, I, you know, I think you got to get to know them. You got to get to know their, mm-hmm. what makes them tick. You got to figure out how to get them to do, you know, what, what the team needs to do to win. And then, mm-hmm. I'm throwing a Princeton style system at them. And that's, you know, almost a, a another world. It's another world for almost everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, and listen, I've learned a lot from them on how to teach and how to, you know, I think we probably, you know, playing as a player, you probably thought that, um, you know, every coach, like a coach wants to treat all his players the same. Mm-hmm. And you realize that even, and one, they probably never did. Um, right. My I joke is I treat them all the same, <laughs> um, but no, I think you got to, you know, you want to be fair, but it does, being fair doesn't mean you treat everybody the same and you got to learn how to deal with kids as individuals and, mm-hmm. you know, take into consideration their issues and problems and whatever that might be without sacrificing what you're trying to accomplish with the team. Right. Was this, was Mercer your first head coaching job as yeah, other yeah. than some, you know, whatever, two week things and things like that. Yeah. What coach? What coaches? I guess did you learn from the most to take on to head coaching? Like obviously Pete Carrill, but like there's like different pieces there because you've yeah. been an well, assistant think, coach. So. Yeah. Well, I think that all the all the guys that I coached with at Princeton. I mean, you know, Coach Carrill, but then uh, Bill Carmody and Joe Scott and John Thompson and mm-hmm. Mike Brennan. Um, all these guys I learned so much from different things, but all, all really, really important things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then whatever, I'm sure I got a slice of Phil Jackson in there and I'm sure right. that, um, you know, the guy who was the head coach at GW um, learned some things from him and, you know, everybody, but the main, and, and to be honest with you, um, grandpa, yeah. uh, cause I just yeah. think his, you know, his way of looking at the world and, um, you know, he coached me as a kid and coached me sort of individually, you know, but I think his way of of looking at the world kind of fits with the what, the things that Coach Carrill would teach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, like, what I love about coaching, even, you know, frankly, I've learned a lot over the years from being involved with um, Jason Garrett and some of these football yeah. coaches that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, just sort of how football coaches interact with their teams and manage their staffs. Um so I'm learning, you know, one of the things I love about coaching is you're always learning, you're always getting better. Right. Um, and you can learn from so many different sources. Um, I've uh, I've taken up rowing in the last couple of years. <laughs> and, uh, by being, I've been coached in rowing and it's helped me as a basketball coach. Um, yeah. So that's sort of what I, what I, what I do like about coaching is there's always more to learn. Um, and, you know, hopefully I'll get it right one of these days. Do you ever miss playing though? <laughs> Oh, I always miss playing. I always, mean, just yeah. talking like how, um, I mean, if my body, if my body could play, I mean, to me, <laughs> like, 
there's nothing more fun than playing playing basketball with a bunch of guys that know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, um, you know, probably still, if I could find a like four on four half court game, I might, I might join it, but, um, the running <laughs> like up spring and down is too much, too demanding on this old body of mine, Charlie. <laughs> um, are the last question I have, um, you've obviously, I've asked about like the differences between different levels and what the differences are, are the, how are like, I guess, how are the practices different? Because I feel like it might be the same drills. Is it just like the intensity, like kind of? Well, it's a good question. I think I would say that um, the practices that I run at Mercer, the practices that I went through at Princeton, uh, the practices that I went through when I was playing on the Maccabea games Mm -hmm. um, were way harder than NBA practices. I mean, again, like, first of all, the amount of games Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't, I think, I don't think there's much you can do practice. Once the games start, right, it's hard yeah. to have really intense practices, I think. Now, right. if I was coaching the NBA, would it, would there be um, – would I be try to go really short and really hard for a very short time? Maybe. I don't, I don't know the answer. But I think that the um, – you know, I'm always – I'm sort of of the philosophy that how hard you work is a habit that you develop by practicing hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now these guys, um, maybe they're, be, you know, that, that those habits are instilled enough that when you're in the NBA, you can turn it on and turn it off. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think my guys, well, first of all, when I'm determining who to put in the game, um, I'm not just trying someone out in the game based on, um, anything I'm playing them because of what they do in practice. Now, right. again, yeah. they play more than three times the number of games. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's because there's so many games, One no, no one game is life or death. So maybe yeah. you can do that and try guys out and see what they do in the games. Um, so I think that's that's the difference. Um, now, you know, you watch the playoffs and teams play hard. Now is, you know, it seems like, you know, I don't know, I watch like Miami and the Celtics and they're sort yeah. of – DNA is is has always been playing hard. I think. Yeah. Um, Playoff now, basketball. And, and now, so maybe some of the other teams that didn't have that DNA are not playing now. So I don't know. Maybe the fact yeah. is that they, again, I don't. I don't know what these teams do in practice. You know, I've seen a couple of, you know, I've been in NBA practices for you know long, long ago, and I've seen a couple workouts here and there. Um, do the Celtics and the Heat and the Warriors? Mm-hmm. Um, practice harder than other teams. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and Celtics Warriors finals now. So that's, I guess, maybe part of it. Um, well, that's all I really have for uh, today's interview. So it's been a pleasure having you on, Uncle Howard. Thank you, um, Charlie. This was fun. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing your basketball story. Um, and. That was episode two, so I'll see you guys next time on The Sports Lifestyle.